Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker, and we watched Above the Law, starring Steven Seagal, and also written by Steven Seagal, and produced by Steven Seagal, and apparently based on Steven Seagal's life story. Sarcastic wink. Uh, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe some of this. Actually, there's a, there are a couple behind-the-scenes stories of Steven Seagal that definitely uh, bear out once you look into them. This is apparently his uh, acting debut, and uh, it came about because his agent, who is also his student in an Aikido dojo, was like, I can make anyone into a star, baby. You can go out for this movie that was originally intended for Clint Eastwood. And so that's why he's squinting the entire time, also because the lights that are checks bright. out. Yeah, the movie is uh, pretty interesting. It's, uh, it's, there are a lot of things that it does very, very well, and a lot of times where it looks like Ballistic X versus Ever. But uh, before we get into <laughs> Above the Law, <laughs> not really our good movie friend, movie. Our good friend Alex couldn't make it. Uh, he got his dink sunk and passed out for a couple <laughs> days. Uh, but he told us beforehand that this is so close to being a real movie. And now that I've seen it, yeah. Like yeah. any other actor could have made this like a real movie about the CIA in Vietnam. But also, Steven Seagal has writing credits, so you get Above the Law instead. Yeah, that's, that's basically the way that it goes for this one. Before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? So I'm just going to assume you didn't watch the Spider-Man trailer, and that's Correct. fine. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing up is that I kind of admire what Sony's doing, because uh, just to remind all of you that aren't fucking losers like me, Sony still has control over the Spider-Man stuff, and they work with Marvel. So I appreciate that. They're on their third try with this character. And instead of being like, okay, how do we establish a new uh, Dr. Octopus? How do we establish a new Green Goblin? They should go, uh, just pay Alfred Molina to show up again. Just say the word multiverse, and then just bring back all of the people that everyone already liked. And I have to say I respect that move. Instead you know, of our third attempt. You watched Amazing Spider-Man 2. You remember what that Green oh Goblin God. looked like? Turns out, you can just pay Willem Dafoe to show up for a day and a half. Write that down on the list of things we need to assign Alex when the Game of Games comes up. Oh. He will not like that. Yeah, I don't care. He's going to watch that shit. Because, like, time, Dick. the Marvel, the MCU as a whole is just so up its own asshole with the canon. I mean, granted, that's sort of changing with all the multiverse stuff they've included that you don't know about, and that's fine because life is too short. But it's nice just to see him go, I don't know, man, uh, a portal opens, and now, you remember that movie? This guy's here now. It's a different universe. Don't worry about it. Well, here's the it's thing. It's refreshing. In in the comic books, which I haven't read, I, I think there's yeah. they actually address like the. I think they actually oh. address the multiverses, right? They talk about absolutely. Like, there's like I, I think I read something on Wikipedia. I don't know if this is DC or Marvel or both, but there's like an Earth One and an Earth Two. Oh, buddy, you wish it was just Earth One and Earth Two, but also that's DC. Don't ask how I know that. It's fine. Yeah, that's like 
I, I don't know. There, there's there's something about it there, and I don't know which is which. And they use that to explain there's that's why this, this, and this happens. And it's also a good way for, like, if I was want to be like, I want to draw this Spider-Man now, and he gets to play with this other Spider-Man, because I have both the toys, and I want to smash them together. Then make them kiss. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that you can go ahead and do that. I, I don't mind so much. Uh, it's not for me, because uh, it's... I don't know. I think it's a little too busy when you make your story like that, but it's still like feasible. You know, I could basically keep, I could basically keep track of it. It's just, I uh, also don't really like Spider-Man movies that much. Um, but I, I know a lot of people like this trailer a lot. A lot of people were very excited for this trailer. I think, uh, I think people really, half of them just want to see that meme recreated where Spider-Man's pointing at Spider-Man. Uh, Thanks, Normies. Uh, but other people are just like, hey, wait, I actually really like Tobey Maguire. He was pretty good. And he was. He was pretty good. I like to see things that are good show up again. Instead of, uh, I mean, like to go back to Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie that desperately want to be like, okay, cool, so we'll launch this franchise, and we'll do the Sinister Six, and we'll launch all these people, and you can see the octopus arms of Edward Oscorp, and then he's going to come just to be like, Nah, we're just gonna bring back that guy you liked. He's gonna shoot for like a weekend. We'll just have a guy in the green suit. He'll just do a voiceover for a day. It's fine. It's probably better than whatever a reboot would be. Full support. Because well, uh, I'm stuck seeing it anyways. Oh yeah, that's true. You are. Not like I would watch anything to do with comic books. So, uh... Chris, I know you're struggling right now as a dad rock fan fan for life, uh, losing the Rolling Stones drummer, who of course, Rolling Stones you know for their hit songs, Baba O'Reilly Sweet Emotion, Whole Lot of Rosie <laughs> I know it's been a difficult day for you uh, Steve Perry has not been available to comment, I hope the band's able to tour again sorry you're not feeling well today. Man, you and the other Alex dumping this on me here's <laughs> the thing about Dad Rock the important thing about Dad it's Rock okay. is it varies know. from dad to dad Okay. Yeah. Some dads don't <laughs> like Pink Floyd. I haven't met them, but some dads are just like, "Hey, their songs are too long for me." Uh, my dad does not like the Rolling Stones, and so I almost oh, never heard any Stone songs when I was growing up. So I think I mentioned on a previous episode that, um, actually, I, I think I just mentioned it last week, maybe off mic, that I listened to the Rolling Stones top 500 uh, albums of all time thing in order. And when it got to the Beatles, it got to the Rolling Stones around the same time. And I was like, well, they have like two songs that are halfway decent. The rest just, I could take or leave them. Uh, it, they're fine. I Look, I don't have any strong opinions on Charlie Watts whatsoever. Although I will say it is somewhat interesting how everyone's saying is like, yeah, you know, he was just, you know, pretty solid as a drummer. Uh, never played anything more than what was needed and never played anything less. Oh, nice. A real Wes Welker type. Yeah, Your so... Rock band. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, hi-hat. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, This guy's hi-hat. making history! <laughs> oh, man. I hope we get to find the other Spider-Man multiverse where your dad's a huge Stones fan. Oh, I don't know if I want to meet that dad. <laughs> He's probably not that much different, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. Couple different vinyls on the shelf, it's whatever. He cooks with propane instead of charcoal. Alright, oh, well, let's... Uh, <laughs> is there any other news? Uh, everything's getting delayed Charlie again. Watts. Is Charlie <laughs> Watts even in a movie? <laughs> I hope not. I'm not, I'm not going to Google it. Yeah. I started drinking an hour ago. I'm not Googling Charlie Watts. And here's me with all my beer in Maryland. Okay, well... I hate to see it. 
let's get into our jerks of the week. Uh, Parker, I'll let you go first. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Hey, uh, so I don't know how to do a lot of things, right? I'm not a smart person. I've never claimed to be. There's many adult tasks I cannot do. But uh, even I know, hey, uh, if you live in an apartment, don't spray paint indoors <laughs> with all of the doors and windows closed. Now, originally that was my Stone Cold Lock of the Week, but uh, this happened while I was prepping for this episode. So let me say, uh, you know, I don't want to encourage anyone to do anything dangerous. But if you've never watched a Steven Seagal movie while inhaling paint fumes, it's definitely an experience. I was in my own sweat lodge for like an hour and a half. It was intense. Oh, man. Well. Do not recommend. But also, tell me if you do. Well, getting into mine, mine actually ties into uh, a movie I watched. Uh, I went to the Alamo Draft House for Terror Tuesday to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. With my good friend Andrew, uh, avid listener of the podcast, don't hold it against him, and uh, it's a movie that we had both seen before, and we both know it for the classic line, uh, "Welcome to primetime, bitch!" And uh, there, oh yeah, it was like this is your big break in Hollywood, which is just an all-timer scene. But there's a lot of other great moments in there, which I'll get into in a little bit. But first, to get to, it's not even jerk of the week; it's asshole of the week. Uh, Freddy Krueger, the bad guy, is torturing the little kids of this movie. And he's, like, making them sleepwalk and jump off a building. And he's, like, doing all sorts of bad things to their body with his knife hand. And one of the girls, like, three seats down from me says, God, Freddy's such an asshole. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but that really stuck with me. <laughs> this Fred Krueger guy, he's unhinged. <laughs> I'm so mad that Alex isn't here so I can ask if his girlfriend said that this guy's above the law. <laughs> I'll never know and it's going to kill me. Yeah. Well, uh, I was kind of thinking of uh, Roddy Piper where he says there is no jurisdiction when it comes to murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, actually, that they're, they're pretty strict about that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, to finish off about Dream Warriors, turns out that movie holds up. I would call it the last interesting uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mostly because I don't like what was it, the final Nightmare or Freddy's Back or whatever that one was. I think that one kind of sucks. Close enough. But like Dream Warriors uh, is actually pretty good. Sorry, I mean, go important note to everyone that uh, your Elm Street journey, other than the first one, really came on this podcast when you texted me drunk out of your mind asking what to watch. That's a, oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 I was house sitting for a friend. I just got a text at like 1 a.m. was like, I'm fucking hammered. What should I put on? <laughs> Check this shit out. Hey, you like uh, Nightmare Part 2? <laughs> I have other <laughs> movies like that. <laughs> Is yours a part three? <laughs> oh, hell. So I put that one on. I, I'm one of the weird ones who actually kind of likes Part 2. I think Part 2 is. Part 2 is like, good as hell. Yeah. Like, give Part 2 some credit. Also, watch the documentary. Uh,. Part three is uh, is actually good. Like it actually works as a movie, and even then, there are some really cheesy moments. Like people say, "Is like, oh, this is the one that introduced uh, uh, the one-liners and stuff." Like he's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, and like, yeah, I kind of like that though. You know, that that's what turned him into a pop culture icon. In fact, it, it's kind of weird. It sort of reminds me of the Toxic Avenger in a way. You know how the Toxic Avenger is a very hard R movie that kids probably shouldn't watch. But then it Absolutely. got turned into like a Saturday morning cartoon, and he's just like, "Oh, everyone loves a Toxic Avenger." They called him Toxie. Uh, 
which hey smart move get your money when you can Freddy Krueger was like a big hit among little kids I remember there was like an 8 year old kid in my neighborhood who dressed up as Freddy Krueger for Halloween it was like how do you know who he is well so I watched him on TV I was like what was it edited for content what does he say welcome to primetime my friend like it doesn't make sense to me but I know he was a big hit with kids because as we were walking in we got there late for the pre-show they did like the, you remember that like you know the the number that you could call back in like the 80s and 90s or you could talk to Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or in this case Freddy Krueger 495 for the first minute then 295 for all additional minutes get your parents permission first bitch and like yeah all the kids want to talk to some guy who's doing an impression of Freddy Krueger like what do you have to say to him? What's that conversation going to be like? What an incredible grift that was back in the day. That was, man, that was the thing that you could do, and you can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Kids today don't get grounded because they spend $100 talking to Buff Bagwell. <laughs> you really hate to see it. <laughs> man, yeah. So, what are some of my other favorite moments in Dream Wars? Because there's a lot of them. I forgot about, so I forgot about Tongue Tied. That's a good one. Uh, it's dude, a good ass movie. Yeah, that nurse, by the way. Had... My experience with Dream Wars is I always watch the first one. I go, I will clearly this is the best. This movie's fucking incredible. Like it's yeah. a standalone great thing. It's the yeah. best. And I watch three. And I'm like, actually, three's really good. Yeah, that the, the guy who presented was just like, who here thinks Dream Wars is the best? It was like three people raised their hands. I was like, you know, what? those three people have a decent argument. You know, it is. You ask them again right after. One and three, whichever one I watched most recently, is my favorite in the franchise. Yeah, kind of like the Terminator movies, except those ones are actually good. So, <laughs> hang on a second. Uh, no, I, I, I will not besmirch uh, Nightmare Part 1, which I do think is an actual masterpiece. That one works. Nightmare Part 3, though, does have some moments that I, I had forgotten about, one of which is that girl whose name escapes me, where she's like, in my dreams, I'm beautiful, and she has a two-foot-tall <laughs> mohawk, and bad. Pulls <laughs> that double switch, please. <laughs> and she is trying so hard not to crack up while she says it. <laughs> this is what real representation looks like, folks. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. Bring back the two-foot-tall mohawks. We we moved away from God's light when we stopped doing Bring that. back Riot Girls and their friends, the kid in the wheelchair. Yeah, who turns out he could walk the entire time. A spit in the <laughs> What's face my power? Oh, walking cool i guess <laughs> no he says in the movie there's like in my dreams i am the wizard master who else is in there so oh yeah the black guy <laughs> she's like yeah you know the the psychologist is trying to tell him oh, these are just part of like your dreams it could be due to sexual charges like great now my dick is killing me <laughs> <laughs> am i right folks or am i right yeah apparently uh some behind the scenes stuff here uh one of the the girl with the two foot tall mohawk she's portrayed as like a former drug addict and apparently people who have watched that movie who were addicted to drugs themselves watched it and they came up to her and they're like hey you your character convinced me to uh, quit doing drugs i was like geez that's no matter how i criticize that movie if you could do that much good then you're better than most movies you know <laughs> no one's gonna fucking watch nomadland and say you know what gonna stop the pills you know so <laughs> Give credit That's why no one will remember Nomadland in six months. Nor me now, honestly. I had to right, really rack yeah. my brain when he said it. Yeah, you're just like, what book was that? So, uh, <laughs> what else is this? Is this another Children of Dudes? I can't keep up. <laughs> the Herbert kids have got to stop writing these. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a Dawkins song in there, which is great. Uh, Hell yeah, dude. I had to, I convinced Andrew, hey man, you gotta watch some more Italian horror movies, okay? Uh, also, I forgot John Saxon was in this. 
hell yeah, he is, he, dude. He comes back and boy, is he sauced off one beer and one shot of whiskey. Uh, Good for him. I was making jokes the entire time. There was a <laughs> at the beginning of the movie that one girl, Patricia Arquette, uh, is making that house out of paper mache and uh, uh, popsicle sticks. And her mom comes in and is just like, oh, why are you still awake? And you hear the dad from downstairs say, honey, where's the bourbon? And I was just like, you know my dad had a camera <laughs> roll in this. <laughs> and then it turns yeah, out, it's pretty really good. Said, where's a fucking bourbon? And he cuts <laughs> off her head and she's like, you've always disappointed me. <laughs> okay, I should watch Dream Warriors. Dude, again. you should rewatch Dream Warriors. That I movie love Dream fucking Warriors. Rules. That movie I forgot that John movie. Saxon just stumbles in. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I'm in this picture now. Great. And then he dies. Yeah. Uh, also, here, and a final note on this one. I guess it's kind of a weird thing to say. I don't know. Um, Robert oh, England is in this. He plays Freddy Krueger. He's a bad guy. Yeah. In the movie. Uh, uh-huh. He's really good in this, as he is in pretty much all the roles in which he has to play Freddy Krueger, except for whatever, night was it, Nightmare Returns or whatever. That movie sucks. Uh but it gave me appreciation for whenever I see Robert England as not Freddy Krueger, you know? Like when he's in the urban legend, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> movie is their urban legend teacher? <laughs> I will never stop thinking about that, will I? Uh, or, when no, he plays the, or when he plays the devil in uh, Married with Children, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that's right. <laughs> you showed me that. Oh, what? That's... <laughs> That just oh, I wasn't ready to think about that again. Yeah, uh, well, it's enough about Dream right. Warriors, uh, except for the fact that, uh, like I said, the last memorable one because I don't even remember what happens in Part Four. I do know that Part Five is where he kills someone by using a video game controller. It makes the same face that Shaq makes when he eats a spicy wing, <laughs> 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 which is one that of my all-time favorite movie modes. I was like, that movie is fucking terrible, but that scene solidifies it as a must-watch. <laughs> I think it's why Elm Street's my favorite franchise. Because, like, none of them are as good as Halloween 1. But also, like, even the worst ones are more fun to watch than any Friday the 13th. Yeah, seriously. Please don't email me and tell me I'm wrong. Those movies are all garbage. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I watch them anyways. But they suck shit. Also, maybe maybe I should probably control myself when I say that uh, 3 was the last memorable one. Maybe I would consider 4, 5, and 6 as the uh, new nightmare and... Uh, the 2009 one with Jackie Earl Haley, memorable. No. If if only I hadn't watched them all back to back to back to back consecutively without a break, so I could watch the so I could watch the was it, documentary. Was it only four hours? I thought it was. I don't even remember. How oh long yeah, it was. the Friday was. one was nine hours. Don't yeah, worry about it. I can't believe I watched that. Yes, I can. Yeah, me uh, neither. I watched the four hour Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, which again, actually pretty good. It reminds me, uh, I was handed a little postcard when I walked in advertising a new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. It's called Fredheads. It's about people who are fans of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Oh, uh, God. I don't know that I will be watching this one. I, I liked Scream Queen. I liked uh, the complete collected works of that guy who did, what was it, The Haunting of Elizabeth Smart or something? Oh, God, did I just <laughs> speak that into existence? You sure did. <laughs> oh, boy. You can keep any documentary about the fans. Yeah, I don't like. Care I saw those in Evil Dead documentary. Yeah, I, saw that I got one so too. hyped. I, I was like, "Oh, it's about super fans." Like, I put a gun in my mouth. Could not care less. Yeah, you know, let's talk about the people who like to grope Bruce Campbell. Come on, I don't. I don't hey, I don't, what I about the movie? I would watch six hours about making of Evil Dead one and two alone. 
I think I, I don't give a shit how many collectible masks these dudes have. I truly don't care. Yeah, I don't care about the fans. The fans didn't make the movie. The fans dress up as them every once in a while. That's not interesting to me. No, but you see, they've kept the spirit of the movie alive, so they're actually just as important as the filmmakers. Oh, yeah, that's important. So, uh, getting on to... Speaking of not dressing up like people who do dress up as anyways, I saw Mad Max Fury Road in black and chrome at the theater with the other Alex. Uh, still perfect in every way. Um, I will say that, uh, obviously the color version is objectively better, but the black and chrome does have some positive moments. Um, the, the day for night sequences look like they're actually filmed at night now in black and white, which is uh, kind of refreshing. And uh, the wives, they look a lot better in black and white, just because their faces are so much cleaner than everyone else. They have very angular faces, so like the shadows play off them in just the right way. Uh, but ultimately, you really need color for the final act with all that fire and shit. Oh, like, yeah. It's just so much better. Um, I didn't understand the need. I have the black and chrome edition. I just didn't understand the need for it as I was watching. I was like, the visual in this movie pops so well. Like, yeah. why would you get rid of them? The only reason the black and chrome even exists, and I, I've probably told this story before, but I might as well repeat it again. The only reason it exists is because when George Miller was originally conceiving the idea, he said, oh, I wanted to be in black and white and a silent movie. And Warner Brothers went up to him and they were like, did you not do that? Because we want people to watch this. And he was like, fine, okay, I'll film it with sound and I'll even put color in there. And he makes it. As he, you just start punching the wall. <laughs> God, I almost had it! I'm so close to having my perfect movie! Yeah, it's. I mean, he makes it, and he only makes the greatest movie of all time. And then internet people realize, like, oh, he originally intended for it to be in black and white, but they don't understand that that idea was nixed before he even started filming, you know? I think that idea was nixed before he even started drawing the storyboards. So this current version was never actually intended to be in black and white. Uh, but they were just like, oh, well, it's a good story, and the internet nerds seem to have latched onto it, so let's show it in black and chrome. As long as they don't say George Miller's preferred version on there, then I'm not bothered, because it's still fun to watch. In fact, it still looks fucking great in black and white. It's like when I bought Logan when that came out, and I was like, I put on that also came with a black and white version. Like ten minutes in, I was like, Yeah, wait, why am I watching this? Why does this exist? This doesn't need to be here. Who, and then I just put the regular version back on. Who was I talking to? Who said that Logan came in a black and white version, and they didn't understand why? It was either the other Alex or it was my buddy Jeff. They were just like, Yeah, why is there a black and white version of Logan? I'm like, I have no idea. I it's on my disc. I got maybe 20 minutes in before I realized like oh this is pointless yeah this this changes nothing about my experience yeah it's like oh it just looks slightly less cool so like the black and grim edition of Mad Max Fury Road is maybe my second favorite movie of all time besides the color version but I I don't know I don't uh, isolate Chris saying colored version <laughs> <laughs> okay alright enough of that um what else did I watch Oh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Superman the Animated Series. Since I finished Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond, I was like, well, tell you what, I'll give Superman the Animated Series a try. What what could possibly go wrong? Nothing's gone wrong. It's pretty good. Uh, I don't like Superman as much as I like Batman, so it's a little hard to care about some of these things. And the the enemies, or the villains, I guess, aren't quite as cool. They're not like, characterized quite as well. Like, uh, I will say this, they they mentioned stuff that was brought up in uh, Justice League. They have a guy named uh, Darkseid, 
and um, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, apparently, I don't know. He tries to kill everyone, and uh, Steppenwolf is in there for one episode. I was like, oh, I, I've heard of him, and uh, one character mentions boom tubes, and mm-hmm. uh, at one point they don't say mother uh, box; they say mother space box, as in mother box is a character. Uh, or it's like a supercomputer that you could use to look through time and space or something. I don't know. And there's some character named Orion who I wasn't paying attention to. I, I have not read the comics. I just know it's like, yeah, Darkseid is trying to kill all the people on Earth, but the people on Earth have Superman on their side. Uh, the guy who performs Superman's voice does a great job. Uh, he's characterized well. This is the this is also the show where you introduce uh, Livewire, who's portrayed by Lori Petty. She does a really good job. But all this sort of pales away in comparison to the two best parts of the show. One is Dana Delaney as Lois Lane is a revelation. She is so good in that role. Like, I, I had no feelings for Lois Lane before this. I was just like, oh, she's just like that character. You know, she's just a love interest journalist sort of thing. In this, she's one of the best characters. She's hilarious and she is so well acted in that role. So shout out to Dana Delaney, uh, who the Animaniacs would mention at the end of their theme song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's where I know that name. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who told me that. It was either the other Alex or it was my dad. And I think it was both of them, actually. Dad. Dad, have you ever heard of Dana Delay? He's like, yeah, I watch Animaniacs. <laughs> God, your dad is so cool. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, Dana Delaney. She's in this one, and she's really good. But the real draw here is, of course, the main man. And I say the main man. We all know that I'm talking about the greatest superhero villain of all time, Lobo. Where the so happy for you. Fuck, it's his standalone movie. I, dude, I might be a comic book fan if I could find some Lobo comics. Okay, like I've heard of them, and I heard also, unfortunately, that they're not quite as funny as he is in the show. He is hysterical, and maybe it's because he's written by the best comic book writer of all time, which is Paul Dini, uh, who at least writes the animation better than everyone does. He's he's a laugh riot. He spells his name for Lois that's L as in lacerate, O as in obliterate, B as in disembowel, O as in oh I guess I could use obliterate twice. He's so fucking funny, and he's in like a two-parter episode, and he's like, uh, it turns out he's the last of his home planet too, much like Superman. He's like, yeah, I fragged everyone on my home planet for my school science project, gave myself an A. This dude, where, why isn't the show about him? I don't care about Super. Make it all about this guy. Uh, so he he actually comes back in a later episode. There's just like this warrior queen who wants to marry Superman. And he's just like, no. And she's just like, will I ever find anyone for me? And he's like, well, my mom always says there's someone for everyone. And he leaves. And she's like, oh, I didn't know he was going to do that voice. Uh, maybe there's someone out there for me. And Lobo just pops it on his like fucking space motorcycle just yelling and screaming and cursing and shooting everyone she's like oh what a man I'm like this fucking guy it's all about him everyone else I don't really care about Jimmy who's voiced by Danny Phantom uh, <laughs> of course the famous voice actor Danny Phantom <laughs> who's real and uh, yes. other people on that show I, I don't care about there is an episode there's a crossover with Batman that was actually kind of nice um, the Joker comes in there He's huh? uh, <laughs> the Joker's there with Harley Quinn, and he's uh, he's pretty good. Um, unfortunately, he has to play off Lex Luthor, who uh, he's written well, but does not have a funny bone in his body. He's just a dude. Yeah, 
Uh, voiced by Clancy Brown. So uh, good for him. There could be only one Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> so like you remember when the DCEU started? It was basically all modeled after Zack Snyder's aesthetic, right? Yeah. If that hadn't been the case, if they were just like, here's a Superman movie, here's this. As soon as Deadpool comes out, there's immediately an R-rated Lobo movie, right? Yeah, and it's probably like, there's that definitely who? another universe. <laughs> I who who would act in this Lobo? I, I keep thinking it's like it's so hard to pick someone who would be it. I keep thinking it'd have to be Jason Momoa. Unfortunately, the answer is The Rock. Yeah, but you have to put a wig yeah, on him. I hate to see it. Yeah, and The Rock isn't quite cool enough to be Lobo, and I'd say it to his face. Correct. I, who, I'm happy that it's good because uh, I did the old uh, self-fulfilling prophecy where I just didn't really watch the Superman cartoon as a kid. So as I got older, I was like, oh yeah, that show was bad because I didn't watch it. Obviously, I would have watched it if it was good. When right. I watched like three episodes. Like It could have been perfect. I wouldn't know. But I just convinced myself in my head, like, no, I was right all along. <laughs> it's bad, actually. No, you know, it's actually good. It's not as good as Batman the Animated Series, but what is? Also, I just thought of a good actor for Lobo. Jared Allen. <laughs> I'm in. It's, see? It worked, dude. Okay, let's get on the agent here. We make, to raise funds, we make the secret Bigfoot movie. And then Jared Allen. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't thought of that in so long. <laughs> It'll be like From Dust Till Dawn, but with Bigfoot. Instead of, uh, well, we don't want to spoil From Dust Till Dawn. Dip my toe in the shot glass here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I like that show. I think it's worth watching. I'm going to finish it off. And when I'm done watching it, I'm going to move on to Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I love it. I, you, that I, Justice you League like, intro still hits. I, I'm a little apprehensive um, because I, I'd seen bits and pieces of it, and for want of a better word, it was too alien for me. There are too many aliens. Like, Darkseid is like an alien, right? And as much as I like Lobo and he's from another oh, yeah. planet, I, what I, one of the things I kind of like about Batman is these are like regular dudes, and it's a little bit more realistic that way. Whereas with Superman, it's there's all this like flying through the, you know, buildings and stuff like that. It's a little too much outer space stuff, and it'll be fine as long as they do one thing. As long as it's character-driven. If it's, if it's focused on the characters, then I'll probably be into it. Well, there's gonna be aliens because why else would you need this group together? Yeah, I know. Then there's the Martian Man, right. whatever his name is. Oh yeah, I like Justice League better than Unlimited because Unlimited got way too deep into cram all the characters in that you can. But also, it's animated, so you could cram in every single minor character just for shits and giggles. Like these people are never gonna show up in movies, so you might as well just use them for an episode. So you know, it's it's good and bad. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. We'll see how it does. I. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't watch a lot of shows because they take up a lot of time. And, uh, in fact, I only have uh, uh, two more movies to talk about here. I'm taking up a lot of time as it is. Okay, so the next one I watched is a good thing that Alex isn't here. <laughs> the next yeah. one I watched was, despite your multiple warnings, uh, yeah? High Tension. <laughs> I'm calling Alex. <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> He's going to listen back to this and going to be like, oh... Why did Chris watch that French horror movie that Parker specifically told him not to watch? Here's actually a better question. Why did you tell me not to watch this? Because it's... There's not much to it. It's all built on a twist that makes... Look, I try to ignore the plot holes. I hate the guy who's just like, Oh, that doesn't make sense. Movie bad. But the whole movie leads to a plot twist that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Or if you think about it for a second, it destroys so much of it. So here's the thing. I like the twist. 
And when I say I, I like the twist, it's kind of like how there, there was another movie. I was explaining this to Alex, and there was some other movie I watched where the worst thing about the movie was actually my favorite thing about the movie because it was the only part of the movie with personality. And that's what the twist is for high tension. And you know what? Just because that movie is not good and not actually worth watching, I'm going to spoil the twist and explain the plot here. So there are these two women in France, and they're going to one of the girls' farmhouses. The other girl, is, we're going to call her Marie, and she's got short blonde hair, very, very uh, distinctive look. Anyway, uh, she's, she's staying at that family's farm, and some creepy guy driving a truck comes by, and he starts killing off all the members of her family, except for the one girl who I think she, uh, uh, the guy rapes her off screen and uh, ties her up and throws her in the back of the truck and Marie is hiding from this guy and follows him in secret trying to free her friend, right? Anyway, uh, fight ensues and she's able to free her friend from this guy. Here's the twist. Marie was that killer the entire time and she's got like a brain disorder and uh, maybe, was it, uh, multiple, multiple personality syndrome or bipolar or disassoci disassociative identity disorder. One of those. I don't know what the correct term is here. Uh, but she this whole time was just trying to be close to her friend which she actually has a crush on there's like a lesbian thing going on uh whereas her friend saw her is like oh you killed off all the members of my family and tortured me and i guess raped me you know so that's the reveal that's the twist it was like oh she was the killer the entire time it's pretty clever if you haven't seen fight club uh here's the thing in Fight Club, you can go back and you can rewatch it. You could be like, oh, so that's what they're doing. You have to do a little bit of, like, stepping over some plot walls and be like, well, that's what they were doing. It's like the interpretation of what was going on here. It wasn't literally there. It was just like a thing. Uh, with this one, you got to do some real heavy lifting to explain some scenes. Here's a good example. Uh, the one that everyone comes back to is there's a scene early on of the, uh, the serial killer truck driver in his truck... Uh, fucking a severed head. Uh, <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, it was like, now wait That's a second. so stupid. How was she doing that? What, was she in the truck or something like that? And the only way I can explain it is, and this is maybe a little helpful if you read the trivia, that severed head that he throws out the uh, window, I guess after coming in it, is uh, that the other girl's head, the brunette's head. I'm like, oh, she was just thinking about that. That was a thing in the back of her mind. Uh, it it also would explain the dream sequence because the dream sequence is like she's in her head she's running from this other persona of hers I, she was like I was running from myself I mean it actually says right there that's what's going on but if that's the case if that's what was going on then the movie was wasting my time for most of it uh, because like there's that scene in the in the gas station you know where she kills that one guy after buying sunglasses I suppose what was the point of that? You're just wasting my time. Well, you're trying to confuse me and lead me away from the obvious conclusion. If they had just gone with that, well, the movie would have been 45 minutes. But here's the thing. I wish the movie was 45 minutes because everything up to that point was the most boring, generic shit I had ever seen. There was not one part of this movie that stands out. I will take a bad twist as something that stands out, at least gives it some personality. I don't care if it's bad. I don't care if it creates more plot holes than The Phantom Menace. At least there's something for me to hang my hat on. Everyone talks about, oh, you know, it's so bloody and gory. It's like, what, you talk about the scene where the ki the killer pushes the dresser against that one guy's head in the stairs and blood goes all over the place? One of the dumbest looking things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's fucking silly looking. I will say there's one benefit of this movie. This movie was a ripoff of a Dean Koontz book. Do you know who Dean Koontz is? 
Really? That's fucking funny. Oh, I do know who Dean Koontz is. I didn't realize this was a ripoff of one of his books. Yeah, this, also, I didn't know people read his books. Yeah, here's a hey, here's the thing. Dean Koontz uh, found out about this movie and went to see it. He was like, hey, wait a second. That is literally a ripoff of one of my books. And thought about suing, but decided not to because he didn't want to be connected with this movie because it was so bad. Uh, so I looked up Dean Koontz. I was like, hey, who is this guy? He went to Shippensburg. Hell yeah, dude. This I is, love that for you. This is the most famous person to graduate from Shippensburg. More famous than John Kuhn. Cut that. More famous than Brent Uh-oh. Grimes. <laughs> More famous than Brent Grimes. Dean Kuhn's one of the best-selling authors in American history. And the entire uh, three and a half years I was there, no one bothered to tell me, hey, yeah, Dean <laughs> Kuhn's went here. Oh yeah, he you was know, one uh, of them book learning guys. He always had a pen in his hand and a paper in the other. He was always writing. That's right. That famous horror author is graduate. No, not no, not no, no, not the kids one either. No, it's Dean. Yeah, okay, bye. No, my brothers always called him Dean Koontz. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, uh, no one ever told me that, dude. I wish my mom was alive so I could tell mom, mom, someone famous went to my school. It was all worth it. So. That's great, honey. <laughs> Do your chores. So uh, when are you moving out? <laughs> September fifth. Come on. So yeah, uh, irreversible. Not irreversible. Sorry. High what? tension. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no, I did. No, no. I've already seen irreversible. I told you about that one. Uh, I did. I did not go back and rewatch it. Don't tell me there's an irreversible too. Well. Oh, I feel like everything that needed to be said was said in the first Yeah, one. I agree. Oh, speaking of sequels that I hope don't exist, the one guy who was introducing Nightmare Part 3 was just like, okay, next Terror Tuesday, which I guess is like a month from now, uh, we're going to be doing Fright Night 3. And he said it like that one guy goes like, what do you do, like Ridge Racer 6 or something? Like that? No, no, he was like, no, no, what was it called? Peggle 2 or something? Peggle too, and he jumps or something like that, and I was like, "Yeah!" And I was just like, "Wait, is is there a third Fright Night?" And I'm uh, googling it right now. I don't think that's real. I don't think it is either. I know there's a first one. I think there might be a second one. I know there's a remake. And the guy, the guy clarified, "Yeah, the original Fright Night with Chris Sarandon." And I was like, "Okay," just making sure because. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to see no Fright Night Part Three. <laughs> That's weird. I just got a text from Alex. And he says, "What about the Fright Night documentary?" Well, fuck you. So, well, you see, there's a lot of behind the scenes lore. Oh, last one here because I'm already taking up too much time. Uh, this is one of the reasons I want to record. I don't save all this for next week. Uh, I did watch Hyodorowski's Dune, and I'm going to say his name really fast so no one says yum yum yum. Uh, here's the thing. Because uh, Andrew actually has seen Yodorowsky's Dune as well, and it's like, boy, that would have been a crazy movie. I agree. It would have been pretty insane. If that had the chance to be made, I would have been first in line. I can't guarantee I would have liked it. Because this is a director who only ever made avant-garde like movies that you probably had to be on drugs for. Uh, I haven't seen El Topo or The Holy Mound, but I saw Sante Sangra, and it doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Um I would have loved to see it. Orson Welles as uh, Baron Harkonnen. That's a great idea. And I gotta admit, there's some things that people say in this documentary that really stick with me. First of all, when you get... I don't know who's worse to interview for this. Devin Ferrasi or Nicholas Winding Refn, the director of The Neon I f- Demon? <laughs> I forgot to mention, 
how front loaded it is with the Devin worst Frosty. talking heads. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, here's the actual people you want to hear from. Yeah, Yodorowsky dominates it, which is good because I'd rather listen to him than almost anyone else. But like with Devin Ferrazzi's there, he's like every single thing he says, I'm like, I feel like I should just disagree on principle. <laughs> it's like actually this movie sucks shit. I'm glad it's dead yeah. in the water. Fuck this. So here's the thing about Yodorowsky's enthusiasm all these years later, it just gets you so hyped like we should fuck Dude. Yeah, but you have to admit that he goes a little too far in some places where he goes to, uh, he he says it's like, every time I make a movie is different from Hollywood studio standard. In fact, Hollywood standards, I, I, I am so different, I, I am raping them. And the movie, and the yeah. music cuts out, no. I, I am, I am raping them. I am, and there's like a pause and the people are just kind of like staring out, I am, I am raping the Hollywood standards. <laughs> and people are like, just kind of staring like, but I do it with love. And I'm just like, that's that sounds like something Trump okay, would man. say. <laughs> you haven't made a movie in like 30 years. Let's slow your roll a bit. Yeah, I, dude, I don't know. Well, anyway, um, maybe don't say I am raping Hollywood and then be upset when Hollywood turns down your idea that would have cost <laughs> like $15 million and also would have resulted in what he claims to be a 15 to 20 hour movie. <laughs> Now, I don't know. After the slate of movies you watched last week, it seems right up your alley. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> look, I know he was probably spouting off when he when they were like, "Yeah, could you make it like ninety minutes?" He was like, 90 minutes. I make it as long as I want to. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Fifteen <laughs> hours, twenty. Nah, hours. man. <laughs> you see that book and it's so impressive, and then he starts flipping through the script. You're like, "Wait, how long is this?" At some point, you have to realize, like, no, people are paying you. You can't make a 15-hour Dune movie, dude. Yeah. Sorry. I will say this. I think it'd be pretty interesting if you animated it. You know? Oh, hell yeah. Hell, get, get Bruce Tim to do it. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, then we made a comic of it. I was like, I not the same. Nope. Don't care. Yeah. Well, I don't know who you cast as what roles. Uh, maybe maybe you can get Jason Mimosa to be in there. Good news. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw the... I've seen that trailer about a million times for Alejandro Villanueva's Dune, and or Dennis Villanueva's Dune, and uh. <laughs> and I will say one of the things I like about it is the jokes are actually funny to me. It's like smile, I am smiling. <laughs> it's like, well, that does kind of feel like a Dennis Villanueva movie. Um, also, Jason Momoa would be like, hey, "Have you been working out?" It's like, uh, "What? No." It's like, "I'm just kidding." <laughs> You're a tiny boy. Timothy Chalamet. Is it Chalamet or Chalamet? I don't know. I didn't think I was going to have to learn this dude's name, but it keeps popping up. You know what? I, getting back to Bruce Tim for a second here. Bruce Tim could make what? a standalone Lobo <laughs> movie. I, we what know, are you talking, Christopher? I, <laughs> I, I said getting back to Bruce Tim because I said uh, I have hardly like, yeah, you know, if they make an animated uh, Yodorowsky's Doom, Bruce Tim could do the animation. I wouldn't mind seeing that, his character designs and stuff. And then I thought about, wait, the last thing Bruce Tim did was Batman versus Harley Quinn. <laughs> and, uh, boy, that, that gave me the Rona right there. Oh. Um, you don't, sometimes you don't want to see your heroes grow up, as it turns out. Yeah, that was... That was the thing. It was like uh, the only person to defend Bruce Tim on that was Yellow Cyclone. That's when I knew I was right. I I kind of <laughs> I, I kind of feel here that like if he did a Lobo movie, you could make that perverted. I'd be okay with that. Like that's okay. He's probably banging space bimbos. I'm into it. All right, let's get the Lobo movie. Parker, I've taken too long. What did you watch? So not a lot of movies. We have Divin. 
deep into sports documentaries. I'm breaking her. She's getting <laughs> deep into it. Does not understand a lick of anything about sports, but is very into the drama. We finished The Last Dance. Ten episodes. Here's the thing. Let me just contextualize all of this. A thing she looked at me and admitted on like episode seven was like, Oh, I didn't know Kobe was a real person. I thought people just yelled at when they threw things. <laughs> so she did not know that Kobe Bryant existed, but was locked in to 10 hours of Chicago Bulls drama from the 90s. God damn, I need to get a retarded girlfriend for the show. It's... Cut that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Leave it in. Like, at this... She did not know Kobe exists, but now she knows who... Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Steve Kerr are. And also she knows that everyone in the world hates Isaiah Thomas. I'm very proud of her. She's lived in in this area most of her life. She doesn't know who Dirk is. Doesn't know what sport he played or what team he played on. But she knows that, oh yeah, Isaiah Thomas, everyone fucking hated that dude from the Pistons. Uh, so uh, some specific highlights... There's really one I want to point out. Uh, big shout out to... Uh, it's the titular last dance. Their last season together. It's the finals. They win game three by 40 points. Dennis Rodman no-shows practice. And they can't find out where he went. And then we just cut to footage of him on WCW with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> He's so good, dude. He, there will never be another one like him. What an absolute legend. Did you ever see um, that? It remind- Sorry, God. Good. No, you're good. Okay. I was, did you ever see that, like, was it an E60 documentary on Dennis Rodman? No. That dude, like, he sh- never should have made it into the NBA. Like, he didn't play high school ball at all. Not. He was just, he just, like, picked up a basketball and had nothing to do because his home life was fucking nightmarish. And all of a sudden, he grew, like, a foot and a half somehow and had to, like, grow to his body. Turns out, once he picked up, like, some uh, summer leagues and stuff, he was really, really, really good. And use his emotions to uh, help him out on the court. Fortunately, those are some pretty strong emotions, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, getting to like episode nine, just pausing, going, "Hey, you know about him and Kim Jong Un, right?" And her just getting eyes wide, like, "What?" Oh, like, All right, we have to pause wow. this. Time for a twenty-minute. Like, hey, you know this guy you've been watching this whole time? So here's the thing: <laughs> you tried to broker peace between us and North Korea. She's learned so much. Again, she does not understand what's a three-point shot, what field goal means. Doesn't know any of this, but is super locked into the drama of all this. And uh, can we just talk about that time period where Michael Jordan tried to bring back the Hitler mustache and reclaim it for himself? I do not Because I feel like that's an underwritten part of history. (laughs) There's plenty of Haynes commercials of him just rocking a sweet little Hitler stash, but that's not important. Uh, It turns out... uh, this is kind of like the King of Kong and Man vs. Snake, where it's like, it doesn't matter like if you watch sports, know sports, or care about sports. A documentary about people who are the best at something is always going to be entertaining. Yeah, pretty much. And that's it sucked her in so quick. Also, she still doesn't know much about basketball, but I showed her the original Raptors uniforms, and she is very into them. Might be getting some Chinese knockoffs. Very excited. There you go. Think about a Chinese knockoff Aaron Hernandez jersey. What else did you oh, watch? Hell yeah, dude. Uh, even more sports shit. We watched uh, a lot of secret base videos on YouTube. 
A lot of collapse videos, a lot of beef history, a lot of John Boys in this house. Just being like, hey, remember this thing? And just turning this on and just watching, like, here's 20 minutes on Ronda Rousey losing her first fight in the UFC. <laughs> you know, I haven't watched a, a lot, lot of John stuff Boy. Uh, I've only seen two videos. Uh, one was, like, explaining how some baseball thing went wrong. There was one that I was asked to watch by some people because it was about the wrestling thing. Remember when that one dude lost a wrestling match and his coach came out to the center of the mat and took off all his clothes? Well, there was a breakdown there, and I I was trying to do it, too, and the guy mostly gets it right. He was like, I don't really know the rules of wrestling, but I think something went wrong here. I was like, yeah, pretty much. Here's the thing. Take it off all your clothes in the ring. Viable strat if it's the Olympics, because, like, you're not leaving without your clothes, and if you don't leave, they can't give the medal. So Exactly. It's like that one fencer Standard who, like, ground. just wouldn't leave because she didn't like the call. That's a good move. I support that. Yeah, just just see it. like ost- obstinately like standing your ground. Alex would do that if he was here. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, she doesn't know anything about football. Could not name a current player on the Cowboys, but is now intimately aware with the collapse of the post Jimmy Johnson era Cowboys, thanks to Secret Base. How did we get there? You ask. Oh, just by watching the the U thirty for thirty. <laughs> Dude, that one's really good. Because <laughs> I was like looking through, I was like, what would she like? Be like, oh, you're into the drama of it all? Cool. Here's the team that created taunting penalties. Here's 80 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> and then her being super into everyone loving Jimmy Johnson and be like, well, actually. And then explaining that uh, Michael Irvin, like, oh, that guy's funny. Yeah, he went to watch the Super Bowls. Also, he stabbed his teammate in the neck with scissors. And her drunkenly staring at me like, what? It's like, did he get in trouble? It's like, no, you fucking stupid. Of course not. He won three Super Bowls. She is really going through a lot right now. Yeah, the, the, a lot of knowledge being dropped in. They have like a crack pipe on the sideline. I mean, probably allegedly. Yeah, alleged. We're gonna be saying that a lot during this. Oh yeah. But uh, you know the thirty for thirty. You gotta watch. Probably one of my favorite thirty. For, there are a lot of ones that I really like. I uh, I don't remember the one about the high school football team. I think it was in Texas actually. Um, Most likely. Yeah, I think it was a. It may have been the team that that beat the uh, Permian Panthers at the end of Friday Night Lights. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, hell yeah. That that thirty for thirty is really good and just heartbreaking. It, it kind of gets to what my dad says. Don't throw away, uh, your life on something stupid, you know. Uh, but the one you got to watch is the best there never was. I don't remember that guy's name. Uh, I always forget. It. I don't know. This dude, he was a running back in high school, right? And just probably the most impressive high school football player I've ever seen. Like, everyone talks about, oh, do you ever see the Jadavian Clowney highlights when he was in high school? Or I think Darnell Doggett had some really good high school highlights. Dude, look up the highlights for this guy. He he is, they say man amongst boys. Really, really big man against boys is the way that I would say this, right? Gaze into his nipples of the future, okay? Because he's just mm-hmm. fucking running over and around and through and uh, on top of people. You're like, oh, he's just got to be the greatest I've ever seen. And then he goes on to, I don't remember where he played uh, college ball, but he was taken advantage of by a lot of people who knew that he would be a cash cow. And it flamed out in just the worst way. And you think if he had just gone through the process normally he would have ended up in a much better place than uh, he did. It's it's just sort of sad to see, and it's great on drama, so it's it's almost like Dark Side of the Ring, but for football. Oh, 
We got a heavy into Dark Side of the Ring for a while, too. I'm happy to step back in when that restarts Dude, back Dude, I, I need to watch more of Season 2, because I haven't seen almost any of it. Although I was talking with Alex about the Brawl for All thing, which is... God, it's so good. <laughs> the best idea. Uh, the, the last thing we watched was also sports-related. Because, you know, we're really getting deep into it, talking about football, football's coming up, and be like, you know the Cowboys are on Hard Knocks, right? She's like, what's Hard Knocks? It's like, right <laughs> off to HBO Max we go. Oh, she gets to learn and about just, Barbie Carpenter. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Fortunately, we're starting with this season. We're, I'm not ready to relive the Quincy Carter years, <laughs> much less have her experience them. The fucking Steve Hutchinson quarterback battle. I, I'm going through a lot right now. I can't put myself through that. But, uh... The one takeaway I have from this is, uh, you know, like I said, we're just drinking, eating, you know, because it's not like you have to pay full attention. It's fucking training camp. It's whatever. When they just casual, when uh, Mike McCarthy brings up his uh, Super Bowl win with the Packers, and they just casually drop like, yeah, eleven years ago, I literally dropped what I was holding. <laughs> I have never felt older in my fucking life, dude. I went to a spiral. Eleven years. It's. Things aren't good, dude. I'm not doing good. See, that's the cool. But yeah, go ahead. No, no, sorry. All right, that's the cool thing about like when you win a Super Bowl. If you are the starting quarterback, or you are the starting head, or you're the uh, head coach, like ninety percent of the time, the media will talk you up as if you're like the new greatest of all time. And there's there's certain exceptions for this. They didn't really do that with uh, Trent Dilfer, and. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. There's some coaches who have been exempt from this, but usually once you win one Super Bowl as a starting quarterback or head coach, you're like, yeah, you know, he could be a Hall of Famer just based on that. Uh, whereas, like, it's a bit strong. You know, sometimes these guys sort of flame out. Uh, like, people... I'm not trying to say, like, Aaron Rodgers isn't good or anything, but the guy won one Super Bowl. It was 11 years ago, you know? I know there's other mitigating factors there. I, I, I know he's a Hall of Famer, but people were talking about him as a Hall of Famer, like, back then, having just won one, you know? And they did the same thing with Mike McCarthy. He's like, yeah, Mike McCarthy, no one can out-scheme him. And I'm just thinking back to all those games where he's like, yeah, our, our goal was to score, like, 21 points and nothing more. <laughs> Great. Perfect. <laughs> I'll go great with your uh, wide receivers. The thing with Mike McCarthy here is everyone just acknowledging, like, well, no one's going to fire him after last year. They're all going to write it off as Dax injury. Great. Whatever. We'll do this again. We'll just waste another year of everyone's primes and get an, <laughs> another year closer to all these people getting contracts and not being able to keep any of them. You're not a I've seen this fucking either. movie before. Seen this movie. You're not a Cowboys fan unless you do this in the Eeyore voice. Oh, good. Maybe Alex. this year will be different. My ass is gay. It's our year. <laughs> we dumb I'm boys. Very upset that Hard Knocks is supposed to, you know, give me the inside look on all these players. Not one mention about Zeke's dog attacking people nonstop. <laughs> Pretty upset about it. <laughs> when did Zeke adopt uh, Hunter Biden's dog? Was it like, Major They show Biden him wrapping up a fucking birthday present for Dak, and I just pause and I'm like, hey, you want to hear something funny? <laughs> just pull up three separate dog attacks. <laughs> that dude's going to get that shit together. But uh, yeah, not the most exciting season, honestly. Because it's all about Dak and, you know, will he be able to come back? And for the first two episodes, it's like, uh, he strained his arm. He's not throwing today. Like, Great. Love it. 
At least Parsons looks good on defense. Who Yay. looks good on defense? Oh, yeah, Michael Parsons. Yeah. Love to, love to get two episodes and be like, well, I hope our checks notes rookie linebacker can turn our entire defense around. Yeah, like what are the odds hey, that he gets injured? Never better. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> happen on our team. Yeah. LV. The fact that I could, I could probably juke out Jalen Smith is not a good look for our team, but that's fine. I'm sure the game of games will not affect me in any way, shape, or form. Man, you want to know a, a weird thing? I don't know how my brain walked down this avenue. I, for some reason, while watching Superman the Animated Series, I started thinking about your jersey of Dat Nguyen. Oh, man. Good for... I miss him. I miss him so much. I should get a Dat Win jersey. <laughs> Is that how it's pronounced? That Dat should Win? be our Game of Games prize. <laughs> Dat <laughs> <Win> throwback <laughs> Thanksgiving <511. laughs> Day jersey. <laughs> Same. 5'11", 238 pounds. Who's the jersey that you have? One of the linebackers? I don't remember. Uh... The knockoff jerseys I have, I have a Des Bryant, Demarcus Ware. I can't remember the other. I one. thought you had a linebacker. No. I mean Demarcus Ware technically, but I know what you mean. Yeah, well, he, he's a defensive. Man. I mean, I got a knockoff Seabass one, but uh, Alex won that in fantasy. <laughs> Did he really? That's how he got it. <laughs> That's how he acquired that jersey. Oh, I bought it from. I, did I not bought know it from the lore. site and then finally gifted it to him at the very first meetup. <laughs> I genuinely did not know that. Oh, man. That's why he was wearing it at right. Draftsmas Part 2. Absolutely. That was his prize for winning. Well, I mean, the only thing I watched is, have you seen David Fincher's The Game? I have not. Me neither. And it was on Netflix, so I figured, like, yeah, I'll just watch this. Why not? It's a David Fincher movie I haven't seen. And, uh... It kind of owns, because it's just about old-ass Michael Douglas getting trolled for, like, 90 minutes. It's incredibly good. I didn't know that. I it's, might have to go in. It's a real posters movie. It's like pre-posting just his shit-ass younger brother, Sean Penn, who sucks ass and is just a trust fund kid, trolling him for, like, 90 minutes as he goes insane. It's pretty good. Well, I'm, I might be into it. I, I used to really like David Fincher. I really liked, uh, what was it, Fight Club and, like, Seven. Um, and you know, I looked. Turns out I have not seen, like, many Fincher movies at all. I should really fix that. I, I like The Social Network. Um, I still haven't seen that. It's, it's Like, I've seen Alien 3, which is, I mean, not great, but even he will tell you. Yeah. He did not have a good time with that. Yeah. Saw Fight Club, but the same age everyone saw Fight Club. Oh, yeah, Red Flag. Well, I still <laughs> like Fight Club. I haven't seen it in a while. I don't I'm know sure if I still do. I mean, I remember liking it. I just haven't seen it since then. Yeah. Uh, love Seven, Love Mindhunter. Oh, yeah, uh, the fucking uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is great. Fucking own it, haven't seen it. I haven't you seen haven't Gone s- Girl, don't tell out. Dude, don't tell Alex. Gone Girl. I don't even. Want I to think the last time I was gonna watch it, I just looked and saw like, oh, he only has like eight movies. I'll just watch them all like in a month or so. Gone Girl. You could ask my ex. Gone Girl is the closest I ever came to making a ruckus in South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I watched that in a theater in South Korea, and that's the first I ever stood up at the end of the movie. You go, what? What? <laughs> just, Chris, come on, come on. It's okay. I'm like, oh, that's the ending. Are you serious? Roll the next reel. <laughs> I'll probably watch them all soon just because because in my head I'm like oh it's gotta be like some Soderbergh thing where there's just like three every year it's like oh there's just a handful and I've seen like four of them okay I'll just I can bang these out I, that's fine I can safely say I don't think you're going to enjoy Mank like 
I'm a huge Probably fan not, of, but that's fine. I'm a huge fan of Citizen Kane, and I love Gary Oldman, and I watched that. I didn't give a shit. Like, I can't imagine I'm going to give a shit about that, or Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, Because I'm sure that, that movie, uh, I'm sure it doesn't look nearly as good as it did when it came out, but uh, that's fine. I didn't know he did that movie. I still haven't seen it, because I don't sure give a did. fuck. Absolutely. Oh, Brad Pitt is you know young old. Yeah, whatever. Let's talk about Above the Law. Based on the life and times of Steven Seagal, I assume. Now, I'm reading up on the trivia here. Yeah, I'm reading up on the trivia here, and apparently, uh, he since Steven Seagal was a writer, some of this apparently was supposed to be drawn from Steven Seagal's life experiences, and uh, there's a note on the, even the IMDb trivia, which is subject to less standardized rules than Wikipedia, is like, none of these stories have been confirmed. So like, oh, great. Now, some of the pictures... They actually have pictures of Steven Seagal as a child, so we know for sure that Steven Seagal was, at one point, a child. And Mm -hmm. I believe that he went to Japan. He seems to speak Japanese pretty well. Uh, Here's one of... Dude, he speaks five languages in this movie. I know. I have to admit, dude, I'm impressed. I barely speak English. I'm, like, fucking terrible at French, worse at Korean. And he's just speaking five languages. Like, they're just come naturally to him. So, as much criticism as I'm going to throw his way, and I will... Dude's a, a multilinguist, and that's very impressive to me. So here's the thing. And also, he's very good at uh, holding his arm out and letting people run into him. We're going to get to that in a second, but here's... In fact, <laughs> let's get to it right now. So there was a video a while ago, I think it was semi-viral, of uh, Steven Seagal owning people with uh, karate or Aikido or something like that. And it was the biggest example of like a Russell Crowe-sized human being just doing like flip flop floop with his hands while people run into his hands and go ah (laughs) (laughs) this sent me down a rabbit hole of searching of videos of uh, guys the old Japanese guys who claim to be like masters of like using your energy against you fighting actual people (laughs) and just getting kicked in the face yeah dude I've seen so many of those it was a bad time (laughs) it was that and then also went down the rabbit hole of like Oh, yeah, he claimed to, like, secretly train Anderson Silva, and then I went down that rabbit hole. There was a lot. There was one guy. I had a very busy night of research. There was apparently one guy who knocked out a UFC guy with a front kick, and he claimed that, yeah, I learned it from Steven Seagal. Uh, That was our good friend Anderson Silva, one of the greatest to ever, ever compete. And then, like, in the next fight, he had Steven Seagal backstage with him. What a legend. I, well, you know, here's the thing. Uh... One of the reasons that uh, I bring up the story of uh, people just running into his arms and stuff like that and falling down is that's one of the reasons that he got this part. So Steven Seagal, uh, his uh, agent said, I can make anyone a star in this town, baby. You teach me Aikido, I'll teach you how to be an actor. And he goes out there and auditions. And his audition was kicking the living shit out of his students in Aikido. And the studio executives were extremely (laughs) impressed. The studio executives didn't know it was all staged. God, that owns. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, now, here's the thing. Part of that is, like, actually kind of attractive for a movie star because martial arts, you need to know how to fake a hit, you know, and how to take a hit. This is something that Jean-Claude Van Damme was very slow to learn as they learned on the set <laughs> of No Retreat, No Surrender. So I'd rather have someone like... Uh, uh, Steven Seagal, who's able to fake one of these hits, rather than like just breaking people's noses. But 
here's the biggest problem, and this is going to be my controversial hot take of the night. Uh, Mac, if you're listening, just bear with me. Aikido is fake. Now, when I say Aikido is fake, uh, Aikido is... It may not actually be fake, but it's certainly the most fake-looking of all of these uh, different things. It just... <laughs> maybe it's because it's Seagal or whatever. Aikido just looks so fucking fake. <laughs> It does not translate to screen as well as it maybe did back in the late 80s. My first experience with Aikido was when I played Tekken 2 and 3, and Nina Williams was apparently uh, an Aikido specialist. She also did, uh, well, I don't know how to write, Kopo Jutsu. So anyway, yeah, Aikido uh-huh. was uh, used by Nina Williams and Anna Williams, and at no point in this movie does... Uh, does Steven Seagal wrap his legs around someone and shove his boobs in their face? I that's a good move. But on, on the on the contrary, Nina Williams never rocked mutton chops in Vietnam. Well, she boy was she must she might have done better. Anyway, uh, <laughs> death by degrees indeed. So that, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he uses Aikido and it just looks fake to me. But we'll get more into the fakeness of how it looks. Which actually, at the beginning of the movie, it shows him coming back from Japan. It does show a picture of him with all these other Japanese guys. It's just him, the whitest looking dude you've ever seen. You're like, teach me your way, sensei. Uh, then he comes back and he's teaching him the Japanese how to kick. Sitting there with big mutton chops, instructing a class in Japanese. Immediate three and a half stars the greasiest in the first 30 seconds he's got the greasiest oiliest two inch uh, mullet on the back of his head uh, which stays that way for the entire movie so it feels like he was like yeah my character should have a ponytail and it came time to shoot and it hadn't grown out yet they were like let's just slick it back man we're gonna have to make this work I keep talking about growing a mullet this is why I don't do it because I don't want to be caught in that in between mode where it just looks like that so yes, yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, um, it either looks you gotta like, have a very understanding partner to get through that middle phase. Yeah, it's either gotta look like Roddy Piper or it gotta look like nobody. So or the boss. Yeah, I, I could now, we're now dye my hair, shave a line into it after I move out because my dad would kill me. So here's the thing: while he's <laughs> teaching this group of Japanese people how to kick people in the face because they don't know how to do that, the CIA is attending this dojo. And they're like, got a great idea. Here's how we're going to beat the Vietnamese. We'll hire this martial artist to give them what fur. So they fly him over. Vietnamese, known for hand-to-hand combat. Need a keto specialist to thwart them. So they head on over to Saigon in 1973. And uh, he's squinting in the bright sun. And also because that's what his face just looks like. And he's partnered with uh, Henry Silva. Who plays a guy named was it Zagon? I think it is. He looks inhuman. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he looks like when the bad guy in the mask puts the mask on, dude, but not green. I took out my. Context. He is insane, dude. I took out my contacts to watch it in blurry vision, just because I didn't want to see his face. <laughs> <laughs> it is upsetting. I was like, why did I watching it HD? <laughs> really fucked me up. He looks ghoulish. Yeah. And then you know what? He commits a lot of war crimes, so good casting. Well, here's the thing. They're not actually war crimes. This guy absolutely looks like he has a tongue collection. Here's the thing. They're not war crimes. These are drug crimes because they're torturing Vietnamese people and uh, Steven Seagal's just sitting outside their hut twiddling his thumbs being like, this is good. We get the information. We learn where the bomb is. He's like, wait a second. Something seems wrong. Something seems wrong with this picture. He goes in and he's like, where are the opium fields? 
I want to make money <laughs> on a drug deal. And Sam Music Hall's like, hey, what's going on here? He's like, you are paid by the CIA to stand outside, mind your own fucking business, I can end you. Hey, what's going on here? And then he does his Aikido to the guy to free the Vietnamese guy, who smiles at him. <laughs> and then he decides that he's going to quit the military, which um, you can't actually do, turns out, because that's like desertion. No, turn. Yeah, you do that, you end up in a helicopter with a black bag over your head. Yeah, exactly. You're getting dumped in that swamp. I don't know what the fuck this movie's talking about. So he leaves, but uh, being a CIA quitter is apparently enough to get you a, a good job with the Chicago Police Department, which... Uh, this is this is all the prologue, Yeah, the this way. is like maybe three minutes into the movie. So Our main character, Steven Seagal, the most Italian man to ever live, the uh, ex-CIA operative slash Japanese Aikido master who is now a great detective slash cop. He, uh, In the first ten minutes. Yeah, so he's attending the baptism of his child... Uh, so, oh my god. Can we get matching white suits like that when we do our first live episode? <laughs> yes, we can. Hey, Alex, how's it going, dude? Please what do you think about Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> Great people. Yeah, good point. Thank yeah. you. I did like him leaving in 1973, basically doing the fist pump from Breakfast Club. I'm out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he just, <laughs> just quits like the military. Him doing Aikido at 22 and then be like, hey man, do you want to be in the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it like, works, right? Apparently, you know, the Vietnamese were really, you know, good at hand-to-hand combat, so you need to have him lead people. Uh, so, now he's in Chicago, <laughs> and he's, um, they're at, I guess, a party for his son's baptism, I think is what they're celebrating. And there's so much to talk about here. This might just be the only scene of the movie that we talk about, because what goes along here. First of all, his partner he's is... He's dressed like how the white Power Ranger would dress if he was at his son's baptism. Yeah, I'm... Dude, I've, so good. I've been to so many baptisms I've never seen that suit So maybe I wasn't going to the right <laughs> ones uh, He, Everyone at this party And we'll talk about who everyone is Everyone is saying oh how much God. they Desperately want to fuck Pam Greer Sometimes To her face <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's my beautiful baby boy Look at the fucking gazongas on that one Yeah there's like okay. three guys One of which looks like Abe Vigoda Like 50 years ago Just being like oh jeez yo, If I had like five minutes with her And I was only a year younger oh, I'd show you a good time oh, You you and Daniels I'm like I gotta show her my balls slapping against her And like Jeez, okay. Anyway, so she goes up to one guy. And she's just like, "Hey, how's the party?" That guy is like, "Oh, you, you little knucklehead over there." And she's like, "You're gonna miss me when I'm gone." And he looks right at her chest. He says, "Well, I'll miss parts of you." <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" Anyway, she's dressed up like it's Pink Day. She's wearing the pinkest pantsuit I've ever seen in my life. She goes up to. Uh, I don't want to say his name. Yeah, you do. Nico, was it Nico Toscolini or something? It is the most aggressively <laughs> Italian name I've ever heard. For a guy who's <laughs> Russian Jewish, by the way. It does not even try... <laughs> yeah, close A guy enough. who does not even try to do the voice. Which means, guys, it is our solemn duty to do the heavy lifting for him. <laughs> it's insane that he doesn't try to do the voice. So he's just talking like Steven Seagal. 
and everyone else in the entire movie sounds like the SNL super fans. <laughs> Every single other cop is the bears the bulls to comes the hawks the socks. Yes. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, me too. That dude, that's so true because like she comes up to him while he's talking with his wife, Sharon Stone. Okay, now the nerd. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's okay. That I didn't notice the writing credit at first. This is a real pause and like, well, something fishy's going on here. Hang on. How many stakes does he have in this movie? <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. I mean, he was producing it and uh, writing He probably casted some of it, too. He's like, her, she's the only one who has, who has the stones to be my wife. Ha 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 She can handle all four lines of dialogue we'll give her. She can really yeah. give it some gravitas. It's very obviously pre-basic uh, instinct. So anyway... Um, she she and he are talking. I don't know. This scene's stuck in my head. Pam Greer comes up to him and is like, hey, you. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah this is the person I work with. And uh, Sharon says, like, does she, <laughs> Sharon says, like, does she wear that in the office? And uh, I will say this in favor of uh, Nico Toscolini. Steven Seagal. <laughs> he's really good at, like, a very casual joke. Like, not even making the face for the joke. He just says that joke casually. He's like, I bet he had lived that. You know, he, he does it multiple times throughout the movie, and I, I actually like that. But in this one, he ad libs, "Are you kidding? She always wears like lingerie to the office." And Pam Greer's like, "Oh, stop! She will never let me go out with you anymore if you keep talking like that. She'll know about our little secret." And if I was Sharon Stone, I'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Just uh, for the listeners at home, every time that I read or hear the words "Nico Tostani." Oh, I imagine them in the exact cadence that the little person on Hey Arnold would say, Dino Spumoni! <laughs> thank, you, thank you for... for I just wanted to get that out. Dico Toscani. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's time for my last bow. <laughs> so, I thought I was going to overdose on the Italianness in this scene. Like, the, the first several guys are being like, oh my god, look at this guy, oh, you're going over here. And even the priest, <laughs> the priest is more Italian than the guys from The Sopranos. He's like, hey, hey, I'm preaching here. Like, hey, I tell you, tell you to tone it down over here. Let it get with me first. I don't know, I just became Rodney Dangerfield, sorry. Uh, but yeah, you were, you were so right about the Chicago-ness in here. They are going, like, a full <laughs> 11 on the... Uh, on the fucking Dan Aykroyd Chicago scale, you know, especially the and guy with the mustache. Is so many of them are so bad at acting. You legitimately don't know from scene to scene. Like, were these people just here on this day? Yeah, like, like uh, legitimately, the- I don't know who's an actor and who is like, hey, do you run this deli? All right, cool. You can stand in the scene if we can trash it for a day. Oh, I could go for a deli sandwich. Okay, so like Nico Toscan. <laughs> the chief of God, police. I have pasta waiting for me right now. Damn, dude. This is hungry. agony. Yeah. So, <laughs> the guy who plays the police chief, the guy with the mustache, he's doing the most Chicago accent I've ever heard. But you're so right about him being a bad actor because he's, he's just. He, there's one scene where he, uh, Nico Toscani, stands up and screams, "Oh, that's bullshit! Oh, there's no, there's no jurisdiction when it comes to murder." And the guy with the mustache just says. I keep it in your pants. And I'm just like, you're supposed to be the angry police chief. You're supposed to demand his badge and his gun. He's just like, lighten up, Francis. You know? This is a, uh, this role was a huge get for the Tesla robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, 
another scene here where they're like they leave the son's baptism party I didn't have a party maybe I didn't remember it uh where Pam Greer and Nico Toscani leave and for most of this movie up until like a certain point I did not know who what Pam Greer's job was like she's just sort of like the ride along woman you know she's just sort of there I think at one point he says you know you really gotta go into like comedy instead of running for DA or something like is that what she is because she just sort of sits in the car and yells no don't do that all the time uh <laughs> anyway, he says, wait in here while I go in this bar and cause havoc. And she's like, what? And he leaves her in the car. Oh, and this one dude comes up to her and is just so desperately... Try- He's trying to hire her as a prostitute or something. And she shows him, like, her badge. And I was just like, why is this movie trying so hard to convince me that every single man on the face of the earth wants to fuck Pam Greer? <laughs> the AC is on and she's listening to her favorite things. <laughs> Hey, officer, can I have just a crumb, my queen? I'm begging you. <laughs> We're just looking for a crumb. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot that the reason they went to the bar is that one of the eight million Italian people in his family had disappeared off with that dang boyfriend of hers. So he just goes to the bar, immediately gets in a fight with everyone in there. Dude, I... And then goes upstairs to find her... With my favorite close-up of the movie, which is just a tray on a table with every drug that exists yeah. on it. <laughs> they, they had to have, like, looked at one of those, like, police bust photos, which, by the way, are always funny, where it's just, like, a very small bag of marijuana and, like, some mixtapes. <laughs> Glad we got this off the street. That fire could have started a real problem. <laughs> Two guys in a drug dog standing next to a dime bag of fucking airsoft gun. <laughs> they have like the, the crisscross hands over their dicks and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, it's a tough job. But <laughs> it's like $200. Oh, uh, we here on Real Deal, no sex if you walk the blue line, of course. We've always been pro It's like $100 and 20s. <laughs> uh, get this drug money off the streets and back in the hands of the kids where it belongs where they go buy drugs. So uh, I want to talk about this bar fight where he's just asking around you know hey come on where where is this girl and everyone's like making jokes yeah i've seen her i've seen the top of her head hey and then he just starts going all aikido on these guys and (laughs) what i said earlier to you alex about aikido being the fake martial art uh doesn't look very fake at this scene because he's just breaking people's skulls wide open while everyone else at the bar is going hey come on man all right that's going a bit far It says here in my notes, uh, Charlie Goes America on <laughs> Alright, got it. I love this scene because he needs information, and then he walks in the room and just scopes the place and is like, yeah, I'm gonna start a fight. <laughs> Fuck these guys. <laughs> Gets in everyone's face and then just beats up a lot of big, tall Chicago natives. Now here's a great... Who are clearly stuntmen. Uh, one of them was apparently John C. Riley, first film role. And also, fucking sorry. Anyway, so so uh, here's my question: Why was the bartender so hesitant to be like, "Yeah, she's upstairs"? Like, just say she's up. What do you care? You know? Why would you like? Why would why would some Chicago bartender want to talk to the cops? It just seems like a bad uh, idea. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so he goes up there and beats her boyfriend senseless. Uh, while they do all the drugs. <laughs> That'll teach him. Really gives this guy the business. <laughs> this girl does not seem to like him very much. They do not get along. 
She reminds me of one of like the Jersey Shore girls, but like not one of the memorable ones with a name. So, uh, oh, Angelina, got yeah. it. Did she ever come back? <laughs> Unfortunately, like seven times. Yeah. Anyway, uh, That's, yeah. it's rough, man. <laughs> she will not go away. We cannot get rid of her. You cannot tell her to stop. Yeah. Those. So, <laughs> so they they go to their next, uh, you know, police meeting and. Here's something that this is actually true. Uh, police do t- typically tend to meet in classrooms. They have the full like uh, desk with chair attached, set up, and everything. It's just that's part of like the police thing, so they can learn the best way to tase an innocent bystander. So the classroom that they're in is so fucking small. They have like a dozen people crammed into this room. They're literally sitting on top of each other in some of these scenes. I'm pretty sure Pam Greer is straddling some dude on this one to be like, yeah, chief, whenever you're ready. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, so uh, the feds are here and uh, they want to let you know, uh, maybe lay off these people. Uh, did I skip over the scene where uh, fucking uh, Steven Seagal ghost rides the car on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> That is a scene where he jumps on the roof of the car like, okay, I know where this is going. He just punches through the passenger window and starts choking the guy one-handed. I've seen so many And you might be asking yourself, oh, cool, are they just going to slam on the brakes he goes flying? No, they just come to a slow and complete stop. And like, all right, man, whatever you want. (laughs) Is that, I think that's after the scene where he and Pam Greer cosplay as meatpackers. Pam Greer has nothing to do with this entire movie. Yeah. I don't know why she's I gotta admit, I'm not really sure why she was in this. Apparently she was really happy because she was like, yeah, it really gave me a chance to show my acting chops. I was just like, really? Where? <laughs> uh, whatever you say, lady. Anyway, uh, the feds have been called into town, and that really pisses off uh, our good friend Nico Toscani. And... <laughs> He, uh, he's just like, oh, there is no jurisdiction for murder. And I think he stomps out of the room and I don't even think the police chief goes, hey, just he just leaves. He just doesn't believe in uh, what their, their mission is anymore. And right off the bat, you can tell, okay, this, the CIA is in on this. There's some sort of reason here. This is one of those liberal anti-CIA movies. If Office Jim was here, we'd get the real story. Um, it turns out our good friend Zagon is back. <laughs> this fucking ghoul reappears. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> he's he's Zagon is like candy man. Yeah, he really he is. is terrifying. Yeah, he keeps coming back. He scares the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, he sounds like his name sounds like an element. So uh he, he just shows up, ties up and starts injecting you with like true serum and shit. Yeah. Does not belong in this movie. Yeah, so uh, he's putting drugs in some sort of thing, and they're trying to find him, and he's like trying to find the drugs and stuff like that. I don't know. Bro, I got so confused with the case of the wrong priest. Oh yeah, there was. <laughs> I was so fucking lost for a good twenty minutes, dude. I can we talk about the priest who looks like Father Cuomo? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to mass. So, 49th Sunday in Ordinary Time. <laughs> You've been working on this, Abby. Yes. He's been waiting all day for this one. <laughs> like, she, he 
beats up the boyfriend. The boyfriend tells him about a shipment. We go to a shipment. Government people show up. There's so much. Dude, fucking... A shipment shows up. They think it's drugs. It's C4. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, well... Uh, uh, second best line in the movie. <laughs> is that supposed to... What kind of high is this? Sky high. <laughs> That's C4. <laughs> Dude, this movie is so good. It's a good thing I didn't watch this with Josh because uh, one guy was like, Seagal's like, hey, that wasn't no cherry bomb. That was C4. I've known it. I've smelt it. I've blown it. Because Josh would have laughed at I've blown it. <laughs> As if you didn't. I di- I was Don't normal. try and pretend yeah. you're better than him. <laughs> I'm normal. So, uh. Oh, what was that? Wait a minute. So yeah. By the way, when they're in the pre, they're in the fucking church, and it blows up. I thought that they killed his son. I legit thought it was like, oh my god, they blew up his son. I thought that's why they were saying he didn't make it. I was like, oh my god, who they blow? Oh, they blew up the wrong priest. I forgot he had a son, and also I wrote down like this priest is getting a lot of speaking lines. He's dead meat. And then in the next scene, a bomb explodes. (laughs) Dude, I remembered he had a son because one of the lines later on is. You ever notice a, a baby smells so perfect and pure and clean, like nothing That's has right. ever been cleaner than a, than a baby? I was like, you've literally never smelled a baby. <laughs> that's just some of that uh, Seagal personal touch of the script. Here. I think that's another improvised line. So I don't know. Dude, there was there's another but improvised you know, line. I think it was improvised. It's towards the end where he's taken hostage by Zagon. And uh, Zagal's like, now, okay, on your feet, move. And fucking Zagal's like, all right, all right, you know me, I'm up, I'm gonna fucking get off my back. And I'm just like, it's like, that was a very Bill Murray sort of ad lib. Not Bill Murray trying to be funny, but Bill Murray old, not wanting to stand. All right, you gotta stand up for this scene. No, I don't think I'll be doing that. Steven, you put it in the script. <laughs> and he just stares at, like, the producer, just like, it's time for a rewrite. Wheel it over to me. <laughs> really explains a lot about uh, his current status. Now, speaking of current... A lot of <laughs> sitting down at tables reading dossiers. Speaking of current uh, Steven Seagal, it is kind of alarming how skinny his neck is in here. He is... He look Not only is he super lanky and skinny, he doesn't even look athletic. Yeah. He just looks like a tall, skinny guy. He has no muscle whatsoever. He does not look like he should be able to fight it. Yeah, like his whole... He Which looks he, like... He doesn't. <laughs> He looks like the Yee guy. <laughs> That's the second time you've mentioned the Yee, yee guy in this podcast. Yee! <laughs> the Yee guy stays with me on a daily basis. Oh, I wish he didn't. Okay, so... Besides the Yee guy, he just looks like... I don't know his fucking name. He looks like the fucking... Uh, every single martial artist who's like probably skinnier than he ought to be in order to kick someone's ass. Like Scott Atkins looks like he could probably kick someone's ass. But a whole lot of these other people, they look too skinny to ever do any real damage. So like when he's doing that fapo sort of Aikido to everyone's hands, and you just don't believe that it actually has any force for him to like throw people off buildings and stuff, which by the way, great police work there, Chief. I I don't know. It's It's always kind of like disarming to me. I think one of the things that, that, like, the main takeaway from this movie is, like, the advent of Steven Seagal. Like, this is, like, his first movie. And there are some parts of it where it works really, really well, and I think that's mostly because of Seagal, because he's different from most action heroes. Not just because he can do, like, martial arts. Like, anyone can do that. But 
there's something about his personality. There's like, I, I talked to you, with you before, uh, Parker, Andrea Romano once said about casting someone whose voice has character. This guy is himself a character. He, it's almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Steven Seagal is just this character that he has enough, I don't know if I'd call it charisma, but there's like character there that you could make not just a movie, but several movies with him in it. And that's something that the movie does well, and it's a credit to his performance in here. He's way better in this than I expected. Because somehow I've only seen like two or three. We've barely covered any Seagal on the show, which is insane. But uh, most of what I imagine now is him current day, like 300 pounds, wearing a silk red kimono. Dude, that's one of my favorite Playing pictures. guitar. <laughs> talking about, you know, his... Some of the extra rooms in his house in Russia that have may or may not have people in them. He has like a weird sort of charisma here. He's not moving a lot, but it at least looks good when people run into him and then fly off of his hands. See, that's the thing. This movie's pretty yeah, solid. See, man. that's the thing is, I I am not going to go so far as to call him a good actor because I actually kind of strongly feel that Steven Skull is a really bad actor, and I think that comes across in this movie. But <laughs> yeah, we yeah, gave but, it away. Like, you could be a bad actor and still have like, <laughs> his Italian accent in this movie. I don't even think that's an accent. I think he. I'm just not going to do one. That's. Look, as somebody that watched another Seagal movie in preparation for this, that's just yeah, I knew it. Dude. I fucking oh, knew it. <laughs> that's just a uh, good old Seagal. Uh, it's like you could be a bad actor and still have character, and that goes a long way. I mean, Tommy Wiseau is one of the worst actors I've ever seen, but you're never going to forget that guy. And uh, yeah, you can make a serious movie like, about this. Like guy. this script could be a real movie, but also, I'm really happy it's not. <laughs> yeah, like, like this kind of owns this movie. Almost had Clint Eastwood in it. I'm like great another dirty harry i don't need another dirty harry dude could you imagine if they cast clint eastwood and seagal like immediately tore up all the lines that he wrote <laughs> my name's what well no. my theory my working theory on this one is they caught they cast seagal and he looked he looked at the uh script and he was like i'm gonna make this about me and if you have any disagreements i'll go flip-flop flu with my hands on you and <laughs> like, I like to imagine it was exactly like the Jeopardy situation. <laughs> All right, I wrote this movie, and we're gonna ca- gonna do a huge casting call for the actor to play the lead role. Oh, well, well you know, it turns out I'm the best at it. Okay. <laughs> I like to imagine all of his scenes are just like, yeah, I should be walking on the street, and I should see these black guys. I should be like, hey, brothers, have you guys seen this? Lady? <laughs> I forgot about that. All right, chill. Man. And then I'll go Man, speak Spanish have... to these Puerto Rican I forgot guys. About that. I have some words to say about another movie with Dude. him in it that is oh, literally God. just Dude, that. Like, we Fuck. mentioned before you signed on that he speaks like five languages fluently on this in this movie. I believe it. And like, I, didn't, I didn't know that one of them would be A-A-V-E. <laughs> hey God, I just got a code switch real quick, bam. Uh, I speak jive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just get to the first real important scene, which is the scene where he gets jumped by people and we get to really see him beat the dog shit out of a bunch of dudes including the machete guy (laughs) you really hate to beat the machete guy who somehow loses both the machete and his hand against an unarmed Steven Seagal and to think he was squad leader (laughs) Uh, Dan and Josh when you listen to this little wink and a nudge for you uh, yeah, you know, every once in a while you need one of those scenes where he just beats the absolute dog shit out of everyone. Uh, a lot more gunfire in this movie than I was expecting, though, you know? 
there's this huge fight scene and what is easily my favorite scene in the movie he dispatches these four goons walks off like turns the corner and some big fucking happy Gilmore looking dude's like hey those are my friends I know those guys and then they start fighting him too <laughs> it's so fucking like how do you stumble that hard like, alright we need another fight scene hey hey I know that guy <laughs> Jesus, that genuinely sounds like a, a scene from No Retreat, No Surrender. There's a second so fatter guy around the corner. <laughs> just it's an incredible movie premise. You just keep turning corners and running into big it all, And then at the very end, you're just at a fucking hockey game. <laughs> at the very end, you must face the final boss, Marlon Brando. Like... He fights these four dudes that all come up like, Hey, S.A., you're in the wrong part of town. He dispatches them, turns a corner, and this big dude who looks like William Murderface is like, Those are my friends. Get them. <laughs> William Murderface. <laughs> that haircut is unbeatable. Yeah, also, the, I want to kind of talk about the haircut here because one of the things I've always associated with Steven Seagal is the haircut. I always thought that dude was, like, born with a rat tail. The rat tail is not in yet. He just has the oiliest, like, two-inch mullet. And I, I every yeah. single time I see it, I just want to, like, man. braid it for him. Like a middle school girl on a camping trip, you know? That's what holds this movie back. He's not strong like Samson yeah. yet. It needs to finish growing out for him to achieve his full power as Casey Ryback. Well. We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll get there, buddy. Don't even worry. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh. Your silence is a cruel premonition of this next month for yeah, you. Yeah, Alex. Alex, we're thinking about doing Sigaltober. Yeah. yeah. Give me a reason not to. Well, then uh, I'm going to save all of my thoughts on Exit Wounds. Oh, fuck Dude, yes. okay, so that's a future episode. Feels like Machete might be a future episode. I vote March for Death very Mark heavily. March for Death, 1,000%. Yeah. Honestly, we should probably do his global warming movie. Is this Seagal Timber or Seagal Tober? Yes. <laughs> I think Seagal Tober is better. Do we have the next month booked up? We, we do right, now. I, I was hoping we'd do something different. <laughs> Alright, next week's episode Bulletproof Monk. I, Fuck you. Yes. Okay, we're doing that one. Do we have anything left to say about we should probably talk about more yes. about Above the Law. You know, there's other stuff. We, we should here. absolutely talk more about this yeah, movie. Yeah, okay. Let's, uh, <laughs> Distractions are yeah. welcome. What happens next in this? I think at this point, it's more or less revealed that the CIA is working with Sagan, and uh, he was doing bad stuff in Vietnam to get the opium and deal drugs. Feel free to jump in. I'm just... <laughs> it's so convoluted. I'm sorry. Just because I'm reminiscing over the plot. I finished watching it this morning. I'm like, oh yeah, we do jump from A to B to C to D to E to F for no reason. Dude, I, I finished watching <laughs> it. This movie is so convoluted. I finished watching it a couple hours ago. I can't believe it, but I'm actually going to agree with Roger Ebert here when he said it had about 30 minutes too much plot. I think he's right. Which is staggering considering it's a 100 minute action. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, we get to the point where, like, obviously, our good friend Zagon, the fucking <laughs> the Vietnamese killing machine, is back in town. And he just gets woken up at 2 a.m. like, hello, it's one of your old friends from the CIA. You're in danger. I'm now a character in this movie you have to reckon with, like, 85 minutes into the movie. 
Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that guy's doing. It fucking it fucking owns that they make him quit the police force to hide from the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to quit the force and then that night the police show up like, Hey, you coming in for questioning and start tossing all his shit around. <laughs> they try to search his jacket and he immediately shoves an officer while there's eight armed cops in his house. <laughs> Let him play his pussy games. <laughs> so cool, dude. You know, significantly I, less sexuality this in this version. movie, by the way. You, you know, you think you go out of your way Damn. to cast Sharon Stone, and it's like, really? I'm not asking for any... I don't think I could... I don't think I could watch Steven Seagal fuck Sharon Stone. I don't think uh, he'd have a career. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Actually, I tell you, maybe we should address uh, some of the allegations about Steven Seagal. Who turns out yeah. was a sex this episode oh, what a perfect is, segue. This episode is too long. Yep. Speaking of allegations, so you know how we have the mystery of the wrong priest? So we go downstairs <laughs> favorite Hardy Boys book. to the secret church basement, right? Yeah. Oh, God. This. And inside the secret church basement is a door that is locked from the outside. You open the padlock to find inside a bunch of children. Now, Chris, you're a Catholic. Is that a good look or a bad look? That is never a good look. <laughs> Don't worry, they're learning. Because <laughs> I knew where that was going, but also in my head, I'm like, please just say there's a smaller priest in there. <laughs> He's a lady. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I thought... I thought this other priest was one of the bad guy's goons until they were in the same frame of the movie 30 minutes later. <laughs> they have the exact same Me hair. Too. They had the same voice and everything. They're both doing Mike Cuomo voice. Because everyone either talks like that, like Steven Seagal, or a, hey! It's impossible <laughs> to tell anyone part. Like, at the end of the movie, like, the big showdown's happening. The fucking bartender's there. It's so confusing. I'm eating a hot dog here. Why are all these people in this movie? Instead of I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having an elaborate series of heart attacks here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, all I can think about so from like, that SNL thing is when Michael Jordan appeared on there, was talking about one of his charities, and the guy's just in his own thoughts saying, Dicka, Dicka, hot dogs, <laughs> bears, Buddy Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl so Walter Payton <laughs> So uh Quick question This seems totally inconsequential But you know he has the giant fight in I think it's like a deli right yeah, yeah. And the shop owner's there Is that Is that a white dude in brown face <laughs> It looks like a white guy in brown face Doing the most racist accent and then the, the scene was over. It really does look like that. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I, I hope it. I hope it's just also Steve. I took off my. Like I said, <laughs> I took off my contacts so I could see it in blurrow vision because I didn't want to look at Henry Silva. <laughs> I wear I wear many hats in this picture. <laughs> now that's what I call general. He's really flexing his his acting chops. <laughs> now that's what I call general haberdashery. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, like, I'm 
like I said, I just watched this today, but I'm like, okay, so they killed the wrong priest, but then they kidnapped the right priest, and they tie him up, and they put the truth serum drug in him, that and he just starts screaming. That is what would happen if someone gave me truth serum. <laughs> and then they hit Who are you working for? Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love all of that dude's exposition dialogue because he just gets in the priest's face. He's like, "Who did you tell about our plan to kill the senator? If you told someone about our plan to kill the senator, we cannot kill the senator." <laughs> and then he just starts yelling at him. <coughs> there's, there's a lot of let's say clunky dialogue That's in so this movie. Cool. <laughs> so here's the. This movie could have been like a tight seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it would have had quite the same character to it. You know, there's something about this movie that gives it a little bit of uh, extra. And uh, for a first attempt, because like we talked about early Van Damme movies, where he's just there's a pretty guy. Put him in the background for this to be his first movie leading role. Go like it's pretty solid, pretty well formed of the Seagal figure that we know him has now. You know, some rough edges to shave around, but pretty successful most of the time. Just when I saw an hour forty, that was an immediate like, <laughs> no, yeah, incorrect. Nice try, guys. The good try, but fuck you. No, no, no. I was so tired when I put it on. I was like, oh, I hope this is like pretty short. Eh. <laughs> then two minutes later, you're in <laughs> Vietnam. You're like, oh, I guess I'm staying up for this, dude. No, as soon as I got to his fucking his son's uh, baptism. And those, that guy just straight up talking about her chest to her face. Actually, while he's looking right at her tits. I was like... As he's dressed like Carl Sanders holding a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tie and everything. Jeez. Oh, man. So what happens we, in the next scene? Are, are we at the point where the, the plot to reveal... The, the plot is revealed that they want to kill the senator for uh, reasons... Is that, oh, that's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. entire yeah, yeah. quote unquote third act of the movie. I'm sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, they just suddenly <laughs> decide to do that. So something about revealing something something CIA drug trade Guatemala, which of course he pronounces as Guatemala. <laughs> Gu- he puts that stank on it because you know he speaks a lot of languages. He said, "Wait, he says it like the guy from Clockwork Orange, Guatemala." <laughs> <laughs> Wait no no no! I'll, I'll, Hello, yeah, give me a, give me a second chance here. He says it like Helen. I, I, I was gonna Toretto say it for Josh. If you didn't, so. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> you know they put the butt chops on, but I couldn't tell who was supposed to be the young Stephen Seagal. It's crazy. <sighs> Josh doesn't like these jokes. I'll stop doing them. He gets he gets very upset. I thought you were gonna do is like couldn't tell if that guy in the brown face was Steven Seagal. <laughs> I do, guys, I do. It's fake lore. Okay, so um Yeah, they, they wanna kill the senator, uh, which I don't think they end up doing. Um they, they so- I couldn't fucking tell you dude. dude as far as me. I'm concerned, the senator was one of their henchmen who yeah, all basically. looked identical. I mostly got mad because I realized as credits were like Oh, this isn't I'll Take You to the Bank, Senator. That's a different movie. Correct. They said Senator so many times, and I kept getting myself hyped up for it. And that line never came. Yeah, I don't have much... <laughs> we, we we spent a lot of time to get like from action scene to action scene. 
We get another good car oh, yeah. chase <laughs> where that guy's on the back of his car. <laughs> he oh, just yeah. backs it up out of the parking garage and he goes flying. Some big dummy flies out the window <laughs> into live electricity. I fucking love that shit, dude. That dude dies so viciously. But uh, a real problem with this movie is, like, as we said many times, it's his first movie, but also he's already in his late 30s. <laughs> not optimal for the future. I did not know he was already in his late 30s. Dude, I hope I look that good yeah. when I'm in my late 30s. I hope my neck is that skinny. Because I, I don't know how quick it took for him to just suddenly start packing on the pounds, but he was what eating was he something doing before for someone. acting? <laughs> a lot of questions. He was just training people in Aikido. <laughs> Uh, he was in Vietnam. Yeah. He saw some war crimes. Uh, then he became a cop, and now he's an actor. After running a, a successful dojo in Japan, where of course he was recruited to join the CIA at age twenty-two. See, that's the thing. Do you know how fucking dumb you have to be to have a citations needed on your IMDb page? Yeah, exactly. Like that shit is the For wild them to west. Actually, man. say yeah. Some of these stories are unconfirmed. No kidding. Seagal put out two albums. Dude, could yes, you Alex, could you uh, read us the names of the Songs albums? Songs from the Crystal Cave and Mojo Priest. <laughs> Dude, that's like that right there is like the difference between my taste in music and Alex's taste in music. Alex would listen to an album called Mojo Priest, and I would listen to Songs from the Crystal Cave for their seventeen minute sure guitar these are Albums you'd listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Exactly. Tell you what, I'll, I'll buy them for my dad. See how what he thinks about them. <laughs> All right. Well, final thoughts on the movie. It's pretty good, you know. It uh, works. It has character. Absolute, absolute mess that makes no sense. But also, oh, like, yeah. I was pretty hooked the entire time yeah. through. It's fun. It's it's a fun movie, and uh, fun goes a lot <laughs> further than others. Okay, so next week, bulletproof monk. <laughs> like yeah. Jesus, <laughs> someone's ready to go to bed. So am I. And that's the tea, sis.